Scott. Y- yeah. All right, uh, Scott. So um, I rewatched. I rewatched Empire. I would hope so. And um, there's very much so um, a Luke making out with Leia scene. Yeah. It's it's a little uncomfortable. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Sweet Home Alabama Cinema Drip Podcast, the podcast where we need movies like we need our coffee. As always, I am Scott I thought Lentz. you were going to say where we need movies like we need our incest, and I was going to say that's bad, Scott. Yeah, that is bad, Christian. And he's Christian, Ubius. And we are joined this week by two brand new guests of the show here on cinema drip they are getting a bit of a trial by fire uh having to deal with our shenanigans here right at the top of the episode but you gentlemen i know are christian (laughs) christian's thriving over there in his (laughs) corner of the world but i am happy to announce our two guests here for the show mr anthony finns and mr zach cantwell both of you thanks so much for being here Anthony, I'll kick it to you first. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, Scott. Uh, yeah, doing good. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be uh, to be a part of this. As um, yeah, Empire Strikes Back is one of my all time favorites. So very excited to talk about it here with you guys today. I am with you there. One of my all time favorites as well. Can't wait to get get chatting. And Zach, it's good to have you on the show. We have gotten to enjoy a movie together here in the the wonderful city of los angeles we got to take in scream six earlier this year and i seem to recall you uh were not necessarily a scream fan at that point (laughs) well i mean listen i watched the first one i want to skip a few got to scream six and uh I, I loved it. I mean, listen. You watched one and six. <laughs> I you watched one and six. Hey, listen. <laughs> uh, Jenna Ortega does not quite interest me, so I have not cared for five or six. Wow. Five, two. We are. Listen. This is a wonderful start to this podcast. Starting the podcast. Either way, by one of our guests coming out anti Jenna Ortega. Christian loudly announcing he's drinking beer. Anthony's got a clean record at this point. So. Uh, is it is it a crime? Is it a crime to not like Jenna Ortega? I just uh, I just know it's, it's not a crime. It's just an interesting way to start off a I podcast. Mean, uh, okay, yeah. all, right, all right. Let me rephrase that. Yeah. Scott, it's so glad to be here. It's, I'm, I'm so glad. Oh, to be here. Zach. Thank you so much yes. for having me. It's I so love Jenna Ortega. I love her. Oh, man. oh, my. We, of course, here on the Cinema Drip podcast are marching on in our Star Wars original trilogy blend of the month here, curated by none other than Christian. <laughs> And normally, Christian, this is the part of the show where I ask you, hey, why did you pick this movie instead of that movie? But this is pretty straightforward here. We are talking Empire because it is the sequel to Star Wars. So just as a reminder, in case folks, for whatever reason, did not listen to last week's episode, Christian, can you just remind folks kind of why we're doing this theme and this blend of the month here for May? So it's a little bit in honor of May 4th. It's a little bit in honor of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 doing so well, in honor of Mandalorian Season 3, which I have not seen yet. I'm still finishing Book of Boba Fett, which is weird. It's a, it's a weird TV show. Um, it's it's I, it, it feels like it's finally time to do Star Wars, especially because we've been in a Star Wars movie drought 
because of course Rise of Skywalker, which I've gone on record on this podcast as saying is 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 poo, um, has basically forced all of Disney to be like, we're not we're not really gonna put out a movie for for a little bit, um, and the success of Andor, the success of um, or I, I guess like the expectation behind what Ahsoka might be bringing to the table is influencing this a bit, but also back when we were doing podcasts and not releasing them, this was the third ever episode that we did. And so it is nice to go back and review it because I remember the first time I ever did these, I was like, Star Wars New Hope has flaws. Star Wars Empire Strikes Back has flaws. And rewatching it, I'm like, man, I was such a stupid person. Yeah, Anthony seems like he would he would agree with you there. As, as you just said, this is one of your favorites of all time. So in brief, because obviously we're going to get into a longer review of this movie, but Anthony, what is your history with Empire Strikes Back, and why is it up there for you in terms of your favorites of all time and movies you would even say might be the greatest of all time? Yeah, um, that's a that's a good question. Uh, because as a kid, uh, Empire was actually not my favorite. Um, I was in, I was introduced to Star Wars through my uncle growing up, um, and he showed me the original trilogy around the time that the prequels are coming out. Um, and initially I loved Return of the Jedi because my childlike brain uh, liked that Luke Skywalker had a green lightsaber, um, and I liked that a lot. Uh, so I grew up really loving Return, but I would watch all the original trilogy um, quite a bit as a kid. Um, and it's never that I disliked Empire, it's just that as I grew older, uh, my appreciation for Return kind of waned as my appreciation for Empire sort of skyrocketed. Um, especially as probably I want to say like in like the early 2010s, I hadn't watched them in quite a few years. And then once uh, Force Awakens was going to come out, I went back and I rewatched the whole trilogy. And that was at the point that I was already kind of interested in filmmaking. So uh, I hadn't really watched them since getting interested in that as a possible career. So rewatching them through the eyes of somebody who was interested in film analysis, um, it was like, oh my God, like, a New Hope is, is great and a trailblazer, and Return of the Jedi has its fun, uh, but Empire is like a masterpiece. <laughs> um, I think Empire introduces a lot of the concepts that we associate with Star Wars, of course, a lot of the lore that we know today as you know, the DNA of Star Wars comes from Empire originally, not A New Hope. Um, but also, I think it's also the most aesthetically um, significant film in that original trilogy in terms of just the basics of filmmaking, cinematography, score, performance, uh, direction. All of those aspects really come into their own, I think, in Empire and solidify it as, as I think, the most well-made film uh, in the entire saga. So uh, it's absolutely one of my favorites. Um, I watch it every year pretty much. So um, yeah, it's a good time to rewatch it. And uh, that's kind of a, a brief kind of breakdown of my thoughts, not going into too much detail. And Zach, when, when I called you to see which episode you would be most interested in appearing in, you said that the, this was the one. So why would you say that this is the one that you wanted to be on? It's, it's interesting because similar to Anthony, um, I grew up, also, not really liking Empire Strikes Back. Uh, I was way more interested in, uh, you know, I'm 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 younger. I'm a I'm a younger guy, and so the prequels were my Star Wars for a long time. Shut up. I'm just saying. Shut up. No, I'm just saying. Like, what are you trying to say? I'm, I'm saying. I'm 26, bro. You're you're what? You're 22, 23, 21. 
Get out of here. Okay. And you okay. show up late to the Zoom? Like, what is this? Listen. Let's let the man speak, Christian. Let's let the man <laughs> speak. <laughs> um, I, you know, for the longest time, I was, I was more convinced that, like, my go-to Star Wars movie was Attack of the Clones. Uh, just, I was like, listen, listen, Christian, listen to me. I'm a child. I'm a child. Okay. I am a child. The prequel it, it, was, the prequel series was my Star Wars. Was the, yeah. It was my Star Wars. It was Wars. the first ever movie I owned on DVD. Mm-hmm. I, I fault you not at all. I've watched Attack of the Clones more than I've seen any other movie probably. So it was, I, it I was it, my, it. it was my very, like, it was my very lifeblood for the longest time. Because, and, and, uh, Revenge of the Sith always like, like scared me. And so I never got it, like like got the full appreciation for it until much later. It was just a, a scary movie for me. Uh, and so then I was finally, you know, shortly after the prequel trilogy, finally got introduced to the original trilogy, and uh, I didn't get why episodes four, five, and six looked older than one, two, and three as a kid. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. I was asking my dad, like, what gives? Um, but as I got older and got more invested in just like the art, like you know, the art of, of filmmaking and everything. Uh, it occurred to me that there's something so um, mesmerizing about the the like the constant tribulations that these characters that we love like like go through in this one, where we can finally start to see them like rising up above the uh, the rising up above the empire and uh, still retaining like a sense of hope that a new hope you know originally like shows us um, by you know, keeping true to themselves, keeping true to their camaraderie and everything. And that kind of like that, that friendship that is so very prevalent in empire spoke to me like growing up significantly more because I love my friends to death and I love making new friends and I love like staying in touch with my friends. And so, um, empire hit closer to me on a, on on an emotional level than it ever has like before. And so that's why I think it's my favorite, apart from what Anthony said about the technical level of just it being far more uh, complete, not complete, but um, uh, like active in its, in its fundamentals of, of, of storytelling. That makes me you know, think it's, you know, it's the best. Uh, I will always have love for Attack of the Clones. I will always have love for Attack of the Clones. And I recently have fallen in love with Return of the Jedi much more than I used to. Uh, but Empire still holds that very, very tight grip on me that it is like, it it is the Star Wars movie that I can consistently re- rewatch and never get bored of. Can can we all though agree that Episode Nine is poo? <laughs> yes, pretty, absolutely, pretty absolutely. In fact, <laughs> yeah, in the I will does... only accept the first six movies. I uh, I'm not I'm not quite with you there. So maybe we can get into our sequel trilogy, Blend of the Month, in May 2024. But Christian, oh, I'll be there for that. You, I'll be there friend. for that. There we go. <laughs> I now turn it to you, Christian. Let's get into some of the key details here for this for this here Empire Strikes Back movie. Um, all right, so I I'll, I'll do like a brief plot overview, and then Scott, help me out with anything that, or any of y'all actually help me out with anything that I'm visiting. But so it was directed by George Lucas. Did you get that? Um, That's actually was, incorrect. That was a pop quiz. Good job, Christian. It, it was directed by a man who has done no other movie that you have seen, unless you're a fan of the Sean Connery James Bonds, which he has done. What what was it? Never say never again. Yes. Which, to my knowledge, I I think it's this one. It's not even like an official Bond movie. 
like it's considered outside of the Bond canon. <laughs> he, he he also directed. I, I think it's this one. Yeah, Urban Kirshner. Yeah, Kirshner. He also did RoboCop two. Um, he's been nominated for a Palm d'Or, which is. I, this is the only movie anyone ever knows this man for. So anyway, yes, plot of Empire because we it, it's plot of Empire. I know we started with the opening crawl last week, but um, basically. The Empire, which still exists despite the fact that Death Star has been destroyed, um, has been chasing the rebels throughout the entire galaxy and have sent out um, these like probes to go out and find them. And they find them in the ice planet of Hoth. They're all there. Uh, Luke gets attacked by a Yeti thing and uh, kind of like, you, you know, is, is there. There's a nice little battle after Hoth. Luke goes and finds Master Yoda, starts to train after him. Um, Leia, Han, and uh, Chewbacca, and the droids are on the Millennium Falcon just and trying C-3PO. to invade the Empire. Not the droids, just sure. C-3PO. Just C-3PO. Yes, because R2-D2 is with, is, is, is with Luke. Good job. Good job. Um, and, and, and then um, they, they, they go to one of Han's friends uh lando Calrissian, and he double crosses them and the empire's there and then luke has a vision while he's training that his friends are in danger and goes to find them and they go to the cloud city and he has a showdown with darth vader and darth vader cuts off his hand and then tells him that he's his father and luke starts to cry and then um uh, they rescue luke but han is frozen and being given over to jabba the hutt and that is the end of the movie. Well done, Christian. One one note for you. Yes. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, Luke is attacked by a wampa. It's not a yeti. I was just about to say and that. And I am happy to say <laughs> that is a piece of information that is lodged in my brain from childhood. There are so many things that I've lost over the years, <laughs> but I do know that that is called a wampa. Oh, uh, you're 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 right. You're right. You're right. Um Okay. Of course, directed by Irvin Kirshner, as you said, Christian, not necessarily known for a lot outside of Empire. He was brought in because Lucas was looking for someone more established to direct the movie as he wanted to focus more on writing, producing, and some of the other aspects of the filmmaking process. Uh, written by Lee Brackett, who is a fairly legendary Hollywood screenwriter. She doesn't have a ton of credits, but very well respected. And she, she wrote one draft and then died. And then yeah. George Lucas read that draft and didn't like it. And so Lawrence Kasdan uh, rewrote the screenplay there. And he would go on to a long career in Hollywood of his own. So yet another very obviously established Hollywood filmmaker getting in with Star Wars here. Uh, it went over budget and over time. But that... That being said, it introduced a lot of things to Star Wars that we don't realize were not in the original, but brought in for Empire. Now, one of the things that I, I, I'm most, or the, actually the two things I think are most important. Three things, actually. The Yoda puppet. Yoda is, 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 is I mean, few characters are more iconic than Yoda. But one of those characters, Darth Vader, who both reveals that he is Luke's father and probably one of the most shocking revelations ever if you were in a theater i mean the only thing i can think of that might be more shocking is watching arnold schwarzenegger be the good guy in t2 um like that's that's the level at which i'm approaching this and also the imperial theme darth vader's theme 
we do not realize, but it was not in the original. It was added on for this movie. All three, which are incredible, which we still continue to talk about today. Anyway, um, is there anything that you all want to add about this movie? Because I think a lot of what we should talk about um, is actually in the review portion. Uh, I just wanted, I was, when you were talking about the, um, the, you know, additions that we haven't quite like established in the original Star Wars that Empire added onto it and added to the legacy of, is that it also, and this one stuck out to me upon the most recent rewatch, is that it, it does establish that Darth Vader is essentially like a human in that very small shot where he is like putting on his helmet for the like we don't know exactly who Darth Vader is other than a big bad guy in the first Star Wars we don't know if he's technically a robot a cyborg whatever and that see that shot in Empire as the general comes up to speak to him uh it kind of helps us realize like okay Darth Vader is of like a human nature or like like a human body and so that like gives him like a little more like um uh, it gives him gives us a little like a closer idea of like who we're about to really face you know it, it's that kind of little moment that's like that helps build up the idea that Darth Vader is is an is an older man and uh, has seen his fair share of like experience in battle in in the in the galaxy and so now we're getting a closer inspection about just how ruthless how uh, how dark he actually is i agree and i think that like this is empire is the movie that really makes darth vader like darth vader like the the fact that he's an iconic villain that we all love and that everybody's a huge fan of him like in the first film he's iconic based off of his image and his and his james earl jones voice and david prouse is embodying him but he's he's i mean there's an argument to be made that he's a secondary uh, antagonist to grand moff tarkin um, in A New Hope, I wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but they're pretty much on equal playing field. He answers to Tarkin in that film. Um, it's Empire, where he is truly given all those elements that Zack is talking about, about his humanity. Uh, we get the sense that he has motivations outside of the Empire when he meets with the Emperor and, and basically argues that Luke could be turned instead of killed. Uh, that, of course, we have that ending with the twist that, that gives him now this new level of drama with the main characters. But I would say also the way that he's photographed, um, he's treated much more uh, as like this like menacing force, uh, just the way that Irvin Kirshner shoots him. I think to this day, nobody has shot Darth Vader better than Irvin Kirshner and the uh, DP of the film, uh, who is named Peter Sushitsky. Uh, so those guys really uh, make Vader into what we know it now. Uh, and they really create this compelling character that has more layers than just uh being a, a sort of dr doom uh referencing villain that he is in a new hope they they, they really make uh his silhouette to be like with, with by lack of a better word breathtaking yeah all you could frame any single one of the shots of darth vader and hang it up on your wall and it would look oh, beautiful yeah. Uh, the last the last thing I just wanted to add to the Darth Vader thing is that one of my favorite things is that when when we in, when we're introduced to him at the be at the beginning of the movie like it doesn't like there's no special camera trick to like reveal who he is you just know you just like know who he is and he like he goes through I think like like two different actions of like walking over to this computer that the probe droid is being like operated with and he speaks to a couple of the technicians or whatever we don't see his face up until the very last segment of that scene where he's like 
they're there. That's where they are. And that, but like, you don't need like a big like you know like a pan up of the camera from his feet to his face to re- to remember that's Darth Vader. It like like what Anthony was saying. It's just his silhouette. You know, just his 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 imagery is like powerful and brooding. Let's go into this opening question. Widely regarded as the best film of the trilogy. Now, I am going to give my caveat here. Not by me. <laughs> I think it's perfect. I think it's perfect. Don't worry. I just think that there are some... There, there, there's one movie slightly more perfect. What is it that is most memorable about this movie? And, um... Yes, Zach, you're raising your hand. What... what? Well, sorry. Yes, oh, what, what would I, you I, like to say is most... I just, I just wanted. I, I didn't know if you were finished with with what you were saying. Yeah, I was just. I, I wanted to go go first about this part, but I, I'm excited. But no, go ahead. Like, if you have anything more to add, go go for it. I'm just happy to be here, Scott. <laughs> we're happy to have you, Zach. Uh, Kick us off, man. What what is the the most memorable memorable aspect, or I guess the most memorable aspects of Empire for you? Like I was talking about in the reasons about why I love Empire, the most memorable aspect is that every every character here like gets their own like special like spotlight moment in it. Uh, I didn't quite like like it's been a while since I've watched the first Star Wars, and so I haven't. I don't always like feel from my memory that each character got their big like aha moment but an empire it just instantly sticks out to me especially with the way that like um you can tell these guys have been through like the thick of it like they've been in the mud and so in hoth when han and chewie are working on the falcon and uh leia is you know she's trying to act like she doesn't actually care about han or luke is is recovering anything like that they all share these like little. remember when she's trying to act like she doesn't care about han and then makes out with luke okay listen i hate that so much we gotta get you off that christian i hate it so much i really do but it's it's done and over with it's a part of cinema history and then and then luke does the whole satisfied head Look, if we're going to be harping on that moment, he also spends the whole first movie like ogling her and thinking about how beautiful she is. So the, the seeds were planted. And then George Lucas with Lee Brackett and Lawrence Kasdan were like, now, wait a second. I've got a different idea. I just know. Like, and they fair, went a different direction. To be fair, if they never made Leia his sister in Return of the Jedi, I do think that actually that scene with the kissing is actually a really great scene. It's just mired yeah. by what they of do later uh, because i mean the whole behind the scenes of this is such a mess about like whether or not leia was going to be the sister that was just like a last minute george didn't want to do it anymore so let's just make her the sister but on its own that's actually a really great scene it's just you know now we have context that makes it awful <laughs> it's just it, that's just what makes me mad the most is like george actively knew those scenes were set in stone and then he's like i don't want to do it anymore they're sisters he he knew, man. There was no coming back from that. But anyways, avoiding the kissing scene. They all have these like memorable moments. They all have these like singular shots where they 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 just like kind of like look at each other in a way that's like I appreciate you. You're my friend. We've gone through everything. We care about you and everything like that. Like when Han, like Han 
very clearly cares about Luke in in like these like subtle little ways, just the way that he he interacts with him while he's recovering on a hoth. That just kind of makes me like feel warm and fuzzy. It's like all these characters genuinely like each other, you know, and that's it, it's warm right off the bat. That's like the only like warm thing about Hoth at the very beginning, and it sticks with you for the rest of the movie. So that's that's why it's my favorite movie because I think it, I think it's the best because like they just they each character gets uh, this just really awesome fuzzy feeling to themselves that doesn't really feel present to me in the original Star Wars because it's more or less just about you know we are trying to stop you know Empire Warlords the original Star Wars is much more of an adventure story yeah yeah absolutely and so when this one this one really is like comfortable in its own skin enough to like operate on an emotional level and uh, that just makes the characters ten times more enjoyable, especially because, especially because when you look at how this shaped Return of the Jedi and just how Luke operates as a Jedi Knight and and just the father son story, it's it's just so wovenly like tightly woven in there thanks to the writing. And um, I think I think the because of that. Did you just call Return of the Jedi misshapen? No. What? Okay. No, I'm not saying it's misshapen. I mean, I mean some I just... would call it that. <laughs> I I'm not saying it's misshapen. I'm saying that it's that that like because of, em- of how Empire is written and turned out, it helps it helps like make you in- enjoy what Return of the Jedi okay. is. So yeah, I'll accept that. All right, Anthony. What Christian about you? What do you find most having himself as the Return of the Jedi is superior to Empire person? I think I think is, I got that idea. <laughs> y'all are a weird bunch. Y'all are a weird bunch. Is all I have to say. Look, I love Ewoks. If I I I like I I love stuffed like creatures. If I could have a stuffed Ewok, I would. Um, I, I mean, I could actually. All right, Anthony. What do you find most memorable? Yeah, I mean, most memorable. I don't want to pick a, a single scene because I think there's a lot of single scenes. Um, is that actually a question that you have later? It's like, what's the best scene? I don't know. I know you did that for Super Mario, so I don't want to like <laughs> step on toes here. Um, Anthony, <laughs> one episode of this podcast to prep. I it's did. Mario I did. One. So he's seen me at my worst. Now he'll see me at my best. In, in his defense, it's the one episode that I sent him. Um, I, <laughs> I, it, it. It felt like the one where you and I are most antagonizing each other, so I feel like you should probably look at You, I mean, there's oh, some great examples. it was examples. entertaining. John Wick is a better example, because that's pure. There's no guests on that episode. That's just you ticking me off to high heaven. Oh, I gotta, I gotta watch that. I gotta, I gotta listen to that. Scott dropped the only F-bomb that has ever been dropped on this show that I had to cut out post, because... It was it was bad. Scott was big mad, and and we recorded that one in person. Scott was big big mad at me for that episode. Christian has said some insane <laughs> things on this podcast, and let me tell you, his his idea to make John Wick a better movie is out there. It's wild. Wait, who who is positive on John Wick? Yeah, that's what that's what I want to do. Scott yeah, was positive. Okay, because okay, John Wick Four is a certified banger. So that is John Wick John Wick Preach. Chapter Four. Yeah, John Wick 4 is literally just like, it's one of those movies where you can like, I mean, I'm going to get John Wick 4 on DVD as soon as it comes out, but I'm never going to watch the full movie. It's definitely just one of those scene selection type of movies. That's all it is. And that's what makes it like fun. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. 
No, Zach, come on. Before Zach, you wrong. get yourself kicked off this this podcast, <laughs> we have to go back to Even Anthony. I have to say that you're wrong about and that. And listen to him tell us about Star Wars because we are unfortunately not here okay. to talk about yeah. that. No, that, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So anyway, the most memorable part of John Wick 4 is probably that overhead uh, fight scene. <laughs> uh, no, I'm joking. Um, as far as Empire goes, oh, so good. Um, I'm going to have to go with that. Uh, I'm going to go talk about um, the maturity of the Empire Strikes Back. And I don't mean maturity in like a, you know, a lot of everybody talks about Empire and goes, oh, it's so gritty. Oh, it's so dark. And it is those things. But it's also like, there's a sense from A New Hope that, like Christian said, you know, it's this fun adventure film, um, and that's great, and it kind of wraps itself up by the end. And I just, I'm so amazed by the team, uh, Bracket, Kazd, and Lucas kind of going in and going, okay, we're going to do another one, uh, but we're really going to, we're really going to push this one. Uh, and then Kirshner and uh, and Suchitsky coming in and going, okay, yeah, and we're going to reflect that we're kind of pushing the envelope here visually, we're going to make it darker. And out of that, we get so many of these iconic moments for kind of pushing the envelope of what you thought Star Wars could be from A New Hope. Uh, so, I mean, that comes down to just uh, how, how mature it feels in terms of some of the storytelling decisions they make. Um, of course, freezing Han, uh, revealing Vader as Luke's father. Uh, visually, it, it has... Uh, you know, it's so funny rewatching A New Hope where it's clearly like... There's some parts of it that feel like, oh, it's like a bunch of people running around with a camera. Um, and then Empire feels, again, much more mature in like, oh, there's like really great shot composition here. Uh, the lighting is, is very good. They, they took a lot of thought and put it into the, into the lighting of the film that makes even scenes that wouldn't necessarily be iconic on their own. Like uh, Han pointing his finger at Leia in the Hoth hallway is like, such an iconic image just because of how well it's shot and the framing and the shadows. Um, so there's a maturity in the filmmaking sense. The performances are stronger in this one too. Uh, Mark Hamill really comes into his own as Luke in this one. Uh, people always complain about him being whiny. I think that's mostly a New Hope thing. In Empire, he feels much more like he has a reason to whine. Um, so all of these things just become more mature and it feels like it feels like A New Hope was like this fun ride that all the filmmakers did as sort of this throwback to like the campy um, serials they watched as kids. And then Empire was like, okay, but like now we're going to like really, you know, if we have to keep this going, how are we going to push the envelope? How are we really going to cement it? Um, I always say uh, Star Wars would not be uh, the franchise that we know it without Empire because, you know, A New Hope is great, but the fact that they followed up with Empire and pushed the envelope... Uh, and, and matured it overall and really took all those things from A New Hope and just improved them is why we have this saga. Um, you know, and then I think later installments don't necessarily keep up that maturity. Um, you know, uh, and I'm not just talking about Christian's favorite, um, talking prequels and even some of my beloved sequel moments as well. Um, the fact that we now have like this franchise and the fact that we have this kind of maturing story comes from Empire. Um, so that's kind of like the overarching thing, overarching kind of uh, idea that I have of like what I think is most memorable about it. Uh, Scott, uh, you what know, did you say? yeah, I was gonna say Zach nailed it talking about the characters and and how we already had a movie with these people and now we get to see their continuing adventures and it's so fun to continue on those journeys and get those developing relationships, accidental incest and all. And really appreciate <laughs> where we're going with Han and Leia and where Luke is going to train with Yoda. You know, we get all of that. And Anthony touched on the 
growing maturity, the deepening of just the the mood and the atmosphere. The filmmaking is, I think, again, obviously better when compared to the first one, and I, I agree there. But I think this thing too does it moves so well. It's a fantastic example of an American blockbuster, and one of my favorite parts of Empire is just thinking back and realizing that I would not cut probably a second out of this movie. I love the individual scenes. And so many movies like this, especially sequels in a series where they split up the characters, you know, so often you lose something because you don't have that particular source of banter anymore. You know, with Luke being on Dagobah for so long and not getting to hang out with Han and Leia, maybe you miss some of their that specific element that he brings to their dynamic. But instead, we get all of this really just, I mean, I'm a, I love these movies. I'm still a little bit of a kid at heart. And so all of this like really cool history and lore of the Jedi and stuff and how Yoda, this amazing Jedi master or whatever, is actually this goofy green little Muppet <laughs> like portrayed by Frank Oz. And that make like gives Luke's storyline so much more weight as we learn about who the Jedi are. And like Anthony was saying, we see his development as a character as he still has a little bit of that whininess, but he's obviously maturing and, and learning how to potentially be this new Jedi. While we have Han and Leia falling in love with each other and just, again, a love story for blockbuster ages. It's not going to be the stuff that sells maybe romance movies, but in a movie like this, it works sparklingly. Plus, you have, you know, other new characters like Lando Calrissian, who just brings something entirely new that was missing in Star Wars, which is just Billy Dee Williams oozing charisma. Or you get the the droids being funny. You know, there's so much about this movie that just moves so perfectly that I will always appreciate it for. I can think of one second to cut from Empire. Okay, I can also <laughs> think of one second. <laughs> One specific second. <laughs> to be fair, it's probably like 20 seconds that that should be cut. It's three or four times. Uh, I, 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 I will say when, when I was when I was watching this, um, so uh, you know obviously I watched all of the Star Wars films first uh, in Spanish. And the name of Empire Strikes Back in Spanish is El Imperio Contraataca, so the Empire Counterattacks. And the reason why I'm bringing that up is because, yo, the Empire is one step ahead of them the entire movie. And it's like that, huh, like, bleakness of how, like, it's a little bit of hope that they think that they have. And then when you think that you have it, boom, you open the doors and Darth Vader is there sitting at the dinner table. Which, by the way, fantastic opening of doors. Like, top five opening doors moments in all of cinema history. Or, you know, you have... I, I don't know if people knew that there was going to be, like, a third Star Wars movie. But if you didn't know that there was going to be... a third star wars movie bro luke's hand gets just chopped off when you think he might be making this like triumphant like finishing of 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 darth vader no he's not there yet and all all like the the overall strength and uh, oppression not that the oppression wasn't there before i mean in episode four they destroyed an entire planet but that just just hope is gone in, in this movie, that is what I really, really enjoy and, and just absolutely love. However, um, 
we need to we need to talk about a couple of different things in this movie. Let's just start at the beginning. Hoth, the Ice Planet of Hoth, banger. I actually, I, I initially, I initially hated Hoth. Like you know, like 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 Anthony, I didn't like. I didn't like Empire Strikes Zach, Back. Just listen, mute yourself no, again. listen. Hear me Zach, out. Just, just mute hear yourself. me out. No. He said originally He's, he was gonna yeah, say nice that's things, right, Christian. That's right. Gotta that's give him right. time. So, when you know, growing up, and I didn't really like Empire. I just didn't really enjoy Hoth. I don't like snow. I don't like uh, anything about snow. <laughs> it's, snow. It's, it's coarse. It, it gets everywhere. It gets everywhere. <laughs> but uh, but as I as I've rewatched it, I it's definitely hit me that it's like it's one of the coolest like action sequences out there. It's so fun to watch, um, and y- you can tell like you can tell like like what Christian was saying about. Um, the empire always having the upper hand it's like it shows in the battle of hoth dude like the rebels are getting totally curb stomped and these walkers are like no joke and watching that watching that with a with a much wiser mind than child me who was obsessed with attack of the clones i'm like like this is awesome like i hate the empire but they're i mean it's no coliseum battle that's true that's true (laughs) listen listen Jango Fett, pretty pretty awesome, getting his head cut off. But the walkers. Yo, I completely forgot to include Boba Fett in this outline. Well, this Yo, yeah, I forgot. I mean, he's totally a I badass. I forgot that but... Boba Fett was in this. I was in this movie. Also, just think, Christian, you have you're watching a miniseries right now that's decades after the fact that he delivered two great lines in this movie and then gets killed hilariously at the beginning of the third movie. And there was such a mystique around Boba Fett from these nerds for so many years that he became a bigger character. It's crazy. But the mystique is mainly like he looks a little bit like a stormtrooper, but he's not like that's where the mystique came from. Anyway, all right, all right, Anthony. What 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 thoughts on Hoth? Oh my God, Hoth is the Hoth is the best. Actually, um, Empire also has my absolute favorite locations from Star Wars, um, and that's Hoth and Cloud City um, are my two favorites. Um, but Hoth is just it's just always so fun to me rewatching it, where it's like they kind of put their big Death Star climax at the beginning of the film. Uh, this is the big rebellion fight and it's at the very beginning it's not at the end uh and i always appreciated that and i think that hoth is still like maybe it's not as good as the final death star run in a new hope and it's not quite as iconic but it's still just as intense i mean uh the walkers are maybe my favorite star wars vehicles i have one on my shelf uh, <laughs> wait actually quick question do you do you guys call them at-at's or at-at's at-at's i've always been in ATAT. I say ATAT because I say R2D2. Yeah, because people are like really like heated about like that they're at ats, but the uh, the chicken walkers are ATSTs. So I don't know. Uh, it bothers me to say at ats, uh, but the walkers are great. The snow speeders are awesome. Um, I think ILM just across the board is killing it at Empire Strikes Back, taking what they learned from A New Hope. Uh, to, to leave Hoth for a moment, man, the Millennium Falcon flying through the asteroid field with the TIE Fighters chasing it is also so incredible. But um, I was lucky enough to watch Empire in a theater last year. 
um, at, for the American Cinematheque. They were doing a retrospective on the original trilogy. And Hoth just had this such a wonderful operatic sensibility to it of, of when the when the rebellion starts uh, retreating and the walkers are just coming through and they're burning up all the land and Vader walks through the base and he's flanked by his uh, uh, stormtroopers, uh, his snowtroopers that uh, look a little bit clan-like, um, <laughs> which is strange. They have their, their white hoods, which is very uncomfortable, um, but it also makes them <laughs> very scary. Um, but when they're going through and it's just, and they're just pillaging this area and the rebels have to make their escape, um, what a wonderful downer of an opening to kind of get you started and uh, and make you just feel like oh man this one's going to be serious this is <laughs> not as fun as the last time around this one has actual like some some real stakes to it um so hoth is just awesome i love hoth and what's great about it too is not just that you have this very exciting action sequence but it doesn't jump right into it where yeah. plenty of movies do that i mean thinking on other star wars movies there are other star wars movies where it starts they're flying into battle there's something we're, we're kicking off with the action sequence you know but empire does start off with 10 to 15 minutes before the empire finds Hoth and gets there. And so we get to catch up with everybody where we see how Luke's powers have advanced and he gets that moment to rescue himself from the Wampa that Christian brought up early on, where he uses the force to pull his lightsaber to him, cut himself free from the ice. You get this moment. You also get to see Han and Leia have picked things up right where we left them in star Wars, where they are going back and forth, rapid fire, He's hitting on Leia, and she's responding with a extremely dry, sarcastic wit, which Carrie Fisher has basically been perfect at for her entire life. And we, laser brain, yes, there there is a scene in this movie where we get the insults: laser brain, fuzzball, and scruffy-headed nerf herder. Is that am I getting that right? <laughs> yes, all thrown out in quick succession just fantastic stuff so you get to pick up with these characters kind of get get a little bit of the rebellion like oh yeah they're on this ice planet now instead of a forest planet or a desert planet but you do get to see luke's development and the relationship between han and leia and you got of course chewy and they're trying to fix the ship millennium falcon's still a bucket of bolts there's all this character stuff that goes on to set up the dynamics in the movie before we get into the action sequence. So by the time that they part ways, we're not like, Oh no, we didn't get to see him together, but we got that little bit with them at the beginning. And then Han, Leia, Chewie and C-3PO are off on their adventure. Luke and R2-D2 are off on theirs and they don't reunite until again, the not, it's not the very end of the movie, but it's a good 30 or 40 minutes from the end. So there's a good, hour or more right in the middle where they're just completely separate but we got that time with them at the beginning so it's a fantastic way to open the movie from an action perspective and from an excitement perspective but also dramatically because it's, it's a scattering of the rebel forces i mean that's that's the beauty of this of this scene that you don't recognize it but but as y'all were saying the rebels are showing their full force and fight and when they escape they can't regroup or it takes a while before we see our group together again. And you don't think about it intrinsically, but you are somewhere deep inside recognizing that the Empire has kind of succeeded in what every like battle strategy is supposed to be, divide and conquer. Now, um, outside of that, I did want to hit on this because we have, we have Luke travel to the Dagobah system in order to train with Yoda. 
And this very much, again, follows the hero's journey of having like the wise master. And in this case, it's actually your old master's master because your old master had to go off and die in order for you to grow in maturity. But what are our takeaways from either Yoda or Dagobah or like the swamp scenes or or what's what's going on as he is starting to get deeper into the force? I just want to say everybody, very proud of you I am for keeping your Yoda impressions this long. <laughs> Done well you have, um, but let them fly. <laughs> I just I think that I think that Yoda is probably at least my pick for the greatest non-human character ever on screen. Um, the fact that they have this little hand puppet um, created, you know, basically as a little Muppet uh, voiced by Frank Oz. And this, like, despite all that, you still actually feel this gravitas from this character, this weight from this character. The reveal that Yoda is actually not a funny little guy, but is actually this very serious master um, in that great split-second switch when he when he stops fooling Luke um, is brilliant. It reveals so much about not only him, but Luke's character, about how frustrated he is and how he's trying to speed things along and that he needs to slow down. Uh, and, and that by the end, you have so much respect for this little green... Uh, furry creature that that you know you would never ever ever think that you'd take seriously um and i don't even think that star wars has been able to recreate that for any other creature whether it be the ewoks jar jar banks they've never been able to get that same success um what's her name maz kanata even though i don't really mind her uh they managed to really strike this amazing blend of the practical effects but also a true honest moving performance from a small hand puppet and i think that is just one of the most amazing things about empire well, it's legitimately it's practical amazing. that's because it's actually a practical effect because when you turn to cgi yoda look cgi yoda i i, I don't hate but it's definitely a step down Skyler, what were you gonna say the just i mean like and just doing basically what anthony is saying but to go from Yoda digging through Luke's like bento box that he's got and throwing <laughs> stuff out of the storage container, literally going like <laughs> making his goofy little laugh. And you're just like, who is this weirdo? And then that moment at his little hut hidden away in, in the forest, in the swamp, when he just, like you said, he turns off the character and starts talking to Obi-Wan knowing that he's, he's there through the force or, whatever <laughs> however it's explained and he says like i forget what he first says but basically like i can't you know train him i cannot he's you know he's not impatient you're like wait a second just as luke is like oh no i totally screwed <laughs> this is yoda it that transition working is a testament to not just okay of course the brilliance of the the practical effect and pulling that off and making this an immediately lovable character but also the strength of the writing and then from there, we get to go learn so much about who the Jedi even were and what they stand for that adds to the thematic weight of Star Wars. And not just the and I think what's good about Empire is it not the idea that the Jedi are and always were perfect or whatever. We get to see immediately how they could be wrong, because frankly, I, I mean, you can we can argue about this, but I think Luke is right to go try to save his friends. And of yes. course, that's a a constant point of tension with the Jedi and their whole thing about attachment and, and outside relationships and all, and on all of that. 
but we see that right there in 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 empire from almost the very beginning when when yoda tells luke to use the force to get his ship and he goes no too hard and then yoda does it and then luke goes i did it believe it was possible and he says that's why you failed it and i go man man if i'm the screenwriter i i write that line i sit back i pour myself some scotch i say guys we did it <laughs> <laughs> guys guys we did it um all right I but that's like that. the key thing though from you like because you brought up cgi yoda from the prequels where it's like, it's not just that he's CGI, it's that he's not even written the same way. Like, he drops so many truths in this film that are like, man, Yoda gets it. This dude's a king. Like, he really says so many things that are so prophetic and that he actually gives these, like, great lessons that it's so funny when you watch, like, uh, Revenge of the Sith and it's the whole anger leads to hate and all that nonsense where it's like, okay, whatever. But it's like, oh, here he actually has some, like, real lessons that actually mean something and that kind of come from this weird mixture of eastern religions and western religions that george lucas cooked up one night when he was um, having a little bit of 1970s fun so it's like it's just a wonderful balance of things that like make that character work and like the writing is so good he was he i i I will say looking at the prequels he was a bad leader of the jedi council yeah nothing (laughs) (laughs) um he's a fraud i want to play a small game i know um we're probably going to have to end this recording and start a new one. But small game. If you could replace one famous movie character with Yoda to make it a better movie, who would you replace? I would replace... I really thought you were going to bring back our Russell Crowe game, Christian. I, w- I was going to try to fit him into this movie somewhere. <laughs> I, I think I would replace... Uh, I, would re- I would replace Yoda with... Or Morpheus with Yoda from The Matrix. I would love to see the Yoda, Yoda in Matrix. I just think that'd be so weird. But it also, like, it would work. Because it's it's the Matrix. It's a computer program. Yoda is a cretin of this of the of the AI, and like he's wise. Morpheus is wise, but he's more like wise on the form of like like being so action oriented. He's like because Morpheus is always like, you know, kung fu, show me. Whereas Yoda would probably help really unlock like Neo's true capabilities. You know. That's... I love how you're actually thinking deeply about this question when these <laughs> questions are not meant for you to actually. But it's give so real. But it's so real, dude. It's you, you like. Sure, I, I, I Scott gets it. Scott gets it. It's so real, but you need to think much, much bigger, my friend. Obvious first answer. The first name that immediately came to mind is I would replace Yoda, or rather, I would switch in Yoda for Dom Toretto of the Fast and Furious movies. There we go. All right, I feel all right. foolish. Now we're thinking. Now we're thinking. All right, Anthony, what would you choose? Oh, gosh. Um, don't think. I have. Don't think. I'm going to go feel... way back. I'm going to go Charles Foster Kane. Uh, I'm going to replace <laughs> Citizen Kane. And nobody mentions that he's a Muppet. Like, everybody's just with that. Um, it's like a reverse yeah. Muppet Christmas Carol where everybody's yes. real except for Kane. <laughs> yeah. Rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why I, I would love to see that the 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 one name that came to my mind when when thinking of this game Vito corleone in the godfather also good. <laughs> i feel foolish yeah i agree I feel foolish. you guys answers are so much better on the day of my daughter's wedding you do 
You think I'm a clown? You clown, you think? <laughs> Y'all truly, truly stellar answers to the previous question. We'll we'll bring that game back one day. Now, do you think uh, if I had my way, would Michelle Rodriguez as Letty hold Yoda as Dom, or would they recreate kind of Dom letting her like sit on his lap, and that's how that's how he would roll, even though he is so so short of stature. In, in in my head, I'm just picturing Yoda cutting off the horse's head to put in that guy's bed. So, we're um we we're, we'll debate that later. Now, okay, um, Cloud City. So Anthony, you did mention that this was one of your one of your favorite just settings in all of all of cinema. So, what is it about Cloud City that you enjoy? Yeah, it's two things. Um, one of them is that it feels like uh, the first location when you're watching these films that's not a like sparsely populated planet. It's cool to like actually see a bustling city with characters that are walking around going about their days. Um, but the other, I mean, the really big part of it, though, for me is Lando Calrissian. He's one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Um, I love that he's this sort of a morally gray character that's running this city. Um, I like that he has his own motivations, that he wants to protect this place that he's built, that he used to be a smuggler with Han Solo, uh, but now he's, he's become sort of this respected man in a place of power and that he works with the Empire in order to keep his people safe. Um, Billy D. Williams is like just so charismatic and also just so much fun in the role uh but he also has a good he's he's got great drama and and i love the i love the moment where, where you know he says this deal gets worse all the time i mean uh billy d just kills it i love calrissian i love his nice capes i love that he's the only person dressed in these movies he doesn't look like uh, he's been in a cave for like seven weeks like he's got fashion and style and Overall, it just makes Cloud City feel... But it's also... You know, he's... Okay, hold on. But also, Cloud City has this wonderful, like, darkness to it that you... Like, at first, it's, like, really picturesque, and it's got all these, like, weird white walls. But then there's also, like, the Ugnaught chamber, where they're taking apart droids and throwing them into, like, the furnace. Like, who's the... Who shoots C-3PO? We never... Like, you know, it's always, like, this weird moment. I guess it's a stormtrooper. But it's also, like, this weird mystery of, like, what is happening in this place... It's kind of weird and unnerving at the same time. So it has a strange atmosphere as well. Uh, it's just, it feels like such a unique location for the entirety of the original trilogy. Uh, and we won't see anything like it until, I guess, Coruscant in the prequels. But uh, it makes it so unique and so strange. And it gives the climax such an otherworldly feeling. It, it is the only location in Star Wars that actually looks like technologically advanced. A lot yeah. of these Star Wars settings are, like you said, they look like they're in caves. Which, I mean, we discussed it last week, Scott. What, what, something Earth, something futuristic. That's like the used future aesthetic that they were going for. Yeah, the used future aesthetic. But Zach, I actually have a different question for you. But it's it's mainly just so on the score because the 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 Imperial March, which was added for this movie, is is what we. I mean, outside of the main theme, it's what we associate most when it comes to Star Wars music, and it is specifically tied to the iconic nature of Darth Vader, who's given much, much more to do in this movie than he does in the um, in the original. But what are your takes on the score and its usage? Are you, uh, we're not just you're not just confining me to Imperial March, right? I can talk about the score as a whole. Yes, yes. Okay, all right. I just want to make sure because, like, 
Everybody, everybody already, everybody already talks about like the Imperial March being like one of the greatest things ever, and it totally is. Uh, I love the Imperial March, but I also just really love. Uh, John Williams does like it feels like John Williams was on a totally different like like level when he did the score for this one compared to um, the, the the prior film. Uh, more like most importantly, the one that sticks out to me is when when Luke and Vader are fighting face to face, going through the underbelly of Bespin. Uh, the moment that Luke's hand is flung down into the pit. Uh, you just like like the the or, the orchestra just like sw- like explodes with like this like terror shock and awe whatever and that's like not something that I recall feeling in in the pre in the prior Star Wars like the music is really awesome in the original Star Wars but when 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 the entire scene plays out in a very tense like quiet up until this very moment where we can now clearly see Luke is 100% defeated the score sticks out to me the most because like that is that is that is Star Wars at its most like fearful moment or like like feared you know what happens next type of moment and the score just really swells and and helps helps turn this like this awful crazy awesome like sequence into just straight up like oh oh god our heroes like our hero's done for. It's over. He lost his hand. He's now like, what's he gonna use? Like, do use his mouth to fight the lightsaber? That and that music is just like continuing to help us be like, wow, this really is one of those like, all hope is lost type of movies. Um, and uh, Yo, adding to Luke the idea, kind of gives up on life. He just like flings himself into yeah. the shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this man. It, it, after after that like intense moment though there's that little spark of hope uh, towards the end where Luke has been, has finally caught up with Leia and the droids and Chewbacca and the music swells into this hopeful note. And you don't like, after such a defeat like that, it's like, how can you make this movie end on a light note on like on a, on a better note. And given the fact that now Luke has finally, you know, uh, reconnected with his friends, the music just is almost instantly capable of shifting its tone um, in and making us feel at home. We've lost the battle, but we have not won the war. We are we can rest for a little bit and just try to recuperate to the best of our ability. Let the music, let the let the joys of being back with our friends who we care so much about, who we're at least glad to see most of them are alive. It's like we you know, this is good. This is good. And music helps really add to that. And the score definitely just, you know, it, it, it's it's more impactful on that type of level and detail than the the prior one, which is all fanfare to me. I, I will say though, whereas I think that you can argue that the original Star Wars is a three hander between Luke, Leia, and Han, I this one to me very much so seems like Luke is being pushed to the forefront, and um. I mean, it comes out in a lot of ways. Like, it comes out in the Yoda training sequence, and then he uses all the things that he was training with Yoda in the um, duel between him and Darth Vader, which is amazing when he, like, shoots out of that hole and then, like, does that backflip. And I go, Mark Hamill's strong. Mark Hamill, good. Like, this is this is superior acting from Mark Hamill. It, it, it's yeah. absolutely wonderful, but um, Scott, last week you did mention that he gets more to do. 
that Luke gets more to do and like better acting capabilities as the series goes on. What are your takes on Luke Skywalker in this movie? Yeah, I mean, you're on the. I I, I should say I agree with you in that his performance in this movie, just trying to gauge it from a sort of his little acting skill, his technical perspective. I think his performance here is better, and we sacrifice some of Luke's whiny farm boyness in favor of a more i guess conventional not reluctant hero but learning hero narrative where he has to go off and train with this weird little green guy on the swamp planet and you get those moments of the first movie where he does complain about the way that yoda is training him obviously he he doubts in himself he gives up on trying to lift his x-wing up with the force and he goes in there you know kirshner includes this moment where luke wanders off and just sulks <laughs> and sits in the background and he's even shot between these two tree trunks or this little opening it makes him look so small the way that he's framed in that moment and we still see those moments coming through where we know that Luke isn't just some unbeatable, badass hero. He is still very much a person learning to step into his persona, into his abilities, and into the responsibility that he'll have to carry as a new Jedi when the Jedi are so out of date that Han Solo in the first movie says, oh, I thought that was some ancient hokey religion. And I love the that journey that he goes on, whether it's as him, you know, in his happier moments, a more competent pilot fighting with the Rebel Alliance at the beginning of the movie, or as this frightened and scared hero, as, as Zach is identifying, that he has this moment of just abject terror and disbelief after Vader gets to drop the classic line, no, I am your father. And Luke, he's, you know, Hamill's just basically screaming his lines. No, it can't be real. It can't be true. He really gets to swing between those, that, that heroic persona and the whiny teenager learning to be, learning to be a hero. And that's what I love about his journey in this movie. And by the time we get to him in Return of the Jedi, of course, he's stepping into Jabba's palace and is very self-assured very composed and i'm sure we'll get to that next week but it's a very natural progression across these three movies i think the thing that we have lost as filmmakers the ability to do is when an actor is skulking or doing something that is internal we now feel the need to put in a score to aid us in understanding but when luke is off and skulking in this movie there is no score when we have them being internal, it is solely based on the strength of the performance and not on what the score is telling you to feel. And yes. that is what this movie is doing beautifully. They actually do that a lot, which is kind of amazing. I mean, we've talked, like, the Williams score is obviously phenomenal. But there's so many times when they hold back on music that is, like, so powerful. Uh, the one that comes to mind for me as well is um, the final Vader versus Luke. Um a lot of the Star Wars duels have a lot of like very operatic, intense music, Duel of the Fates. Obviously, um, the music that plays in Return of the Jedi is also great. But the fact that like they keep it completely silent for the majority of their fight until the last few moments, where it's just the sounds of the Bespin uh, uh, freeze chamber and Vader's breathing 
and that moment where Luke is just quietly trying to hide in the hallway and then Vader comes out in a jump scare. Like the fact that they leave that all silent is just, it makes it so much more intense. And it's a pretty brave choice to keep the music out of it considering how good the music is. Yeah, I, I I agree wholeheartedly. That whole fight, you know, just the way that it's even choreographed, where it's 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 nothing flashy, and like like the prequel and sequel like choreography is really great. But I just love the I love the like the the display of like the performances of these two characters and how they fight and go about that fight in this in this like total quiet, eerie, po- like dystopic, like cyberpunk ish like city, you know. Um, it, like like you said, like the performances without the music really are in the full like full picture here. You can see that Luke is like, you know, he he can be like a little timid at times. He was confident going in, and he and he's got you know some, you know, he's got he's got a stance to him that like, that spells strength. But uh, at once he realizes like he is no match. Like Yoda was right, he is not ready. You know that music, the emptiness of it allows us to be like start to get scared with luke and realize like oh luke might like perish here or just get beat really really badly or give up on life like his mother did (laughs) ouch she didn't give up she didn't give up man you take that back she didn't give up man they do say she lost the will to live that is in that is said in the film in Revenge of the Sith, they do say me? that out loud. What? No, they actually say that. The, the little medical yeah, droid says that she <laughs> lost the will to, drip, to live. So she actually did just give up. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sorry, Tough moment for George Lucas, the screenwriter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I, I, we, we do need to end. So any final thoughts? But before then, I will say... Um, it's kind of I, looking back on this and I am looking at it with the weight of everything that I've seen since we are introduced to the fact that Leia can also use the force and it's subtle. All she really does is sense that Luke is nearby and how to find him. It, it, it's a tad weird because I, 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 not that it needs to get cut out of the movie. Not that I think it's bad. It's just, I, I will say it's a little odd to end your movie on Leia knowing a little bit of the Force. I, I am, I'm glad you bring this up because this is something that I consistently think about when I watch Empire is that as much as I love Empire. You just stay I, up late at night staring, like why? No, no, what, <laughs> I, what, I, what I particularly think about is, is at the end of, at the, at the end of the whole Dagobah sequence, uh, as Luke flies off, Obi-Wan says, that boy is our only hope. And Yoda, bathed in red light, says, no, there is another. And, like, we realize now that it is it is Leia. He's referring to Leia, and it's, it, it's made note of that in Return of the Jedi. But I often wonder, like, before Return of the Jedi was made, like, what what does yoda refer to because if you guys if you guys i'm sure you guys know since you guys are huge star wars fans um before return of the jedi uh george lucas had a ton of different ideas and plans for like a further trilogy involving the real uh sister of luke who was supposed to be on the opposite end of the galaxy doing her thing just as much important maybe more important than luke skywalker himself as another 
um, chosen one and things like that. And that's always such an interesting thing to me that when, you know, when, when paired with Return of the Jedi, we realize, you know, Leia was this Force-sensitive user. She was the other that Yoda was talking about. But I still fully like to believe that, especially with the with the coloring of that scene where Yoda is in that red light, I like to think that he's fully talking about Darth Vader. Like, he, he has, like, some sort of a small glimmer of hope that maybe, just maybe, Vader can be, like can return or sorry the, Anakin the, the can chosen return. one yeah because yeah. he, he was the chosen one exactly yeah. um and so i agree i agree with you to, to go back to your point i agree that it is a little weird that leia is the force sensitive uh or the 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 other that we end the movie with yeah 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 i agree we're, we're i do think it's made into nerd territory right now though. we are I, and it's something i think is made explicit in this movie of course there's no way that leia would have been like i know where luke is let's turn the ship around and go back into danger to get him if it wasn't very clear that she was using even uh, not consciously using the force to sort of send out however they do it to sense you know the people they know sense fellow force users so i think they do make it clear that it's leia in this movie but of course it is fun to think about those other ideas that lucas had and although some of them are utterly ridiculous some of them also recur in either the expanded universe or in the prequels he brings names back he brings concepts back and he gets to reuse them and and different sometimes better sometimes not but sometimes better ways the prequels are are rough it it's sad sorry no uh it, it saddens me that like the clone wars was definitely scoped out to be a vastly different thing in the original trilogy and then it turns out the way it does i like so like a part of me likes to think like like the like i don't think they were supposed to actually be clones here's the thing i don't think that they were just supposed to be copies of each uh, but, well what i this yeah. is what we call oh, writing oh, yourself oh, into a dad. corner no what i what i what i like to think is that like you know again driving into into nerd territory talking about how the prequels are just vastly different than what the original vision was but i sometimes like to think like the original idea of the clone wars was uh the sith cloned jedi or something like that and made and forced them to fight and it was like the most gruesome battle across the entire galaxy because it's like like total carbon copies of like these these powerful force uh wielders just going to town and decimating everything in their wake and then the clone wars ends up being a camino jango fett boba son babies you know but that's my honest opinion is funny too i i just think that george lucas wrote uh i just think that he thought the Clone Wars sounded cool when he was writing A New Hope, and he was like, "Ah, oh, this could be like just a cool thing to name." And then later, he was like, "Oh, I, I have to, I have to figure this out now." Um, I think there's it was just like so a fun many examples. So many examples like that in this movie. There's one point where Han Solo talks about something, and he's like, "You know, you're like as dangerous, or whatever, as a gun dark," which you come to find out in other Star Wars media is this like this creature. When in reality. George Lucas was like, I got an idea for a really real scary creature. It's it's called a gun dark. It's a a gun that's dark. I don't know. And that's that's what we got, you know? And the Clone Wars, again, this fascinating thing to throw out of like, ooh, the Clone Wars, what could it be? And then George Lucas came back and was like, I'll show you what it was. And <laughs> we have what we have. I love that I love that Daniel voice you're Pat. using. I love that voice you're using. But like, yeah, like there's so many name drops. Like Star Wars is rife with name drops that like maybe could 
be better if they were never actually touched on and I, and that just adds to like the the cool like that gives that that allows a lot of people to like be creative and think about like the lore of Star Wars and stuff like that and so that's why that's why I do have my qualms with the prequels but alas all right I all right final question final question is is this the best movie sequel of all time or is there anything else that's in the conversation I can think of one movie that's in the conversation. As I as um, can I. Scott. Um, I the, the the one that comes to mind is Aliens. I love Aliens a lot. I I know Scott, you're preferential to the first one. Um, yeah, but not by much. Like Aliens is a fantastic sequel to an already fantastic movie. But and anyone else, or is this or is this it? Any Toy Story two fans? I Toy Story three fans. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna make I was gonna make a joke that Godzilla Raids Again was one of the best sequels of all time, but that I don't know if you guys are big Godzilla fans. It's not true. It's not. It's not true. By it's, a not long true. Shot. Yeah. it's not true. <laughs> but, it's not true. But Scream Six, John Wick Chapter Four. I think the actual the boring answers in this conversation. I think Terminator Two, very much up there. Godfather Part Two. Although Godfather I, Two. I do prefer. The Godfather. I think a lot of people consider Godfather Part Two the superior movie, and and therefore one of the greatest sequels of all time. There are definitely some amazing sequels out there. Empire is certainly among my favorites in that category. It's it's hard to hard to say best when it comes to an art form where you know there are people out there who think all of Star Wars is utter childish poppycock and there's no way it could be in the conversation with some of these other movies which would be wrong but you know it's it's in terms of my personal favorites empire is absolutely up there let's end it there scott um do wait what am i supposed next week do that thing i do oh that's right what's coming next christian i have no idea what could it be oh well it's episode six ha 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 uh, sure what? It, so episode six, Nick Viner has been begging to be on the podcast, so Nick Viner will come back. Jeez, Christian, outing him—he's desperate. He has—he said he was desperate. It's true. He he did tell us this, but also I, I figured we could let him play it cool once he got on the show. But no, now he's gonna have to come in with this this beggar's persona. Anyway, uh, Nick's coming back um, after his absolutely ridiculous stint on our arrival episode. Um, potentially a fourth guest, but I'm still trying to lock him in for times. Um, other than that, Scott, do that thing that you do. Do that thing I do, which is outro the show. So, of course, if you are still here listening, folks, well, golly gee, thank you. We greatly appreciate you enjoying our conversation here of Empire Strikes Back. One quick note, of course, these movies are on Disney+. Plus. We normally shout it if they're streaming. If you didn't know that, I'd be surprised, but fire up that old Disney Plus subscription and give these movies a watch to follow along with Jedi next week. Should be a good time as Christian tries to explain how all that stuff with Ewoks and Rancors are definitely better than anything in Empire Strikes Back. But do want to extend a very warm thank you to both Anthony and Zach for making their Cinema Drip debut here. So, Anthony... A before Z, you know, so we got to go to Anthony first. Anything that you have out there to pitch, whether it's a podcast of your own or some other creative pursuits you have, we'd love to know where our listeners can find you and continue to follow along with what you've got going on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Well, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been a blast. I love talking about Star Wars. So if you ever need another Star Wars uh, 
talk her again. Let me know. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is just Anthony Fens. Uh, my name all in one. Uh, I am a writer director uh, working on my next feature film. But for the meantime, uh, you can find me on Instagram. And you can see uh, some links to my previous projects if you want to catch any of those. I primarily work in horror, although I do work in other genres as well. So feel free to go check those out and uh, support any of my future projects as they come up. But thank you guys again so much. It's been super fun. Wait, what's your... Wait, we've discussed... Your favorite horror movie is The Thing? Close. Um, I do love The Thing. It's an excellent film. Uh, if you consider Alien to be a horror film, that is my favorite. Um, if you just want a pure horror film, I say The Shining usually. So, uh, yeah, but those those are all great. We'll have I wish we could have October. captured the... There we go. I wish we could have captured Zach's reaction because The Thing got mentioned and he was both fists pumping up in the air like a Tuscan Raider. And I, then I'm very partial Anthony to clarified it was not the thing and Zach's face just dropped <laughs> like someone told him his, his favorite teacher from elementary The thing is great. Died. I love the no, thing. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But thing is like my favorite horror movie of all time. So I'm partial to it. And Zach, where can people find you slash do you have any creative pursuits out there that you want to pitch as well? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Scott. Thank you for so much for having me. This has been great. I love podcasts. I love doing them. I have my own podcast. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna drop it because it's still uh, in. It's still in production. So, but um, as far as uh, handles go, you know, I uh, I can be found on Instagram at Zach M Cantwell. That's with a C H because my full name is Zachary. Uh, I I am an editor over at Entertainment Studios, so I do a lot of TV editing. But I love 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 to do indie productions and I am so big on just the whole editing process and I love to help tell stories and put those puzzles together so happily working on a rom-com uh, this weekend uh, but I'm always looking forward to finding new projects to work on so um, please it's I'm an editor there's a strike going on I need work I'm begging you <laughs> Now, most people just, they, you know, they pitch the projects they've got going on. Meanwhile, Zach is like, hey, anybody out there hiring? I'm looking for a job. Wait, Scott, why don't we ever pitch our projects here? Uh, well, I'm this This is my project, Christian. It, you know, this is, this is the project that we share together. If you've got, you know, in-production scripts that you want to shout out, feel free to do it on this podcast that you co-host and produce. I never would have stopped you. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm working on a murder mystery slash haunted house movie. Did you know that? I, I probably not because I know you mentioned the ideas that you're working with and, and scripts you're working on from time to time. So I, I, sometimes you just throw something out and then who knows if you ever finish that particular script or if you stick with it. But Wow. Now I know. I mean, you mentioned the murder mystery thing a while ago because you asked, was it Keenan Culler, also a friend of the show, who you said you were going to – yeah, is the victim was him, right? <laughs> right for the jugular. That's right. Alrighty, folks. So again, thank you to Anthony and Zach for being here. Do follow them on social media and keep up with their projects. Always fun to have folks who are in the entertainment industry here with us and can bring that uh, particularly practical side of things to their uh, insights here on the show. Of course, there are a few other things you can do to support us here at Cinema Drip. Number one, please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, leave us a rating or a review. 
helps us grow on these different platforms, reach new listeners, and it puts a smile on our face and brings warmth to our hearts as we see those five-star reviews come in. So please rate, review, subscribe, all those fun little things. Hey, that includes you two. Rate, review, subscribe. That's right. You <laughs> okay, can we'll also, do. Uh, we don't have a YouTube channel. So if anybody wants to help us get that going, give me, give me a ring. But you can also... Send us an email at cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. We're talking Star Wars this month. I know, listeners, that you have Star Wars opinions. So feel free to write in if you're with Zach and you think Attack of the Clones is a secret masterpiece and it's the best Star Wars movie. You know, maybe fire off that hot take into our inbox. I'd love to read it. But if you have any Star Wars opinions or original trilogy opinions, would love to read those too. Again, it's cinemadrippodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me and the show on Twitter, Christian on Instagram, and the both of us on Letterboxd, where we are regularly rating and reviewing the things that we are watching. Anthony, Zach, are we Letterboxd users? Can I follow you guys? You there? Unfortunately, I am a Unfortunately. Letterboxd. Unfortunately, I am a Letterboxd user. <laughs> this is a safe space. This is a pro Letterboxd podcast. Letterboxd is scary. No, no it's, slander. It's, it's scary sometimes. I, I see some things. I see things you people wouldn't believe. I mean, I'm on Letterboxd like way too much every day, so I've probably seen some of it. Anthony, can we find you there as well? Um, I think so. I near I never use it, but I believe you can find me at Anthony Fins. Also, Zach, I like that secret Blade Runner reference. <laughs> That's my favorite there. movie ever, man. Very, very casual. All the Letterboxd reviews for past like tears in the rain. Of course, folks, as always, I'm Scott here with Anthony, Zach, and Christian, and this has been the Cinema Drip Podcast.